My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. thing that happened with the law that the government passed is they didn't include the public. They just made it an arrangement between the case and the government and they gave the case a monopoly. And there's no clause in there saying that this so-called monopoly has to consult with the public. And that's not right. That's not right. I'd like to see the public more a participant in transportation planning. That's the voice of Laurel Thompson. She's today's guest on Talking Radical Radio. This show brings you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are involved in many different struggles, talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening can strengthen all of our efforts to change the world. Thompson is a retired teacher based in Montreal and an environmental activist with a particular interest in sustainable transportation. Now, it might sound a bit peculiar for someone with those politics to be talking about organizing in opposition to the largest investment in Montreal's transit system in decades, but that is what this episode is about. Thompson's a member of a group called Transperance. It formed in 2015 or 2016 in opposition to a mass rapid transit project called the Réseau Express Métropolitain, or REM, proposed to service western areas of Montreal. Ultimately, despite the opposition from Transparence and others, the REM was approved and is now well on its way to being built. However, Thompson speaks about that struggle today in the spirit of supporting the emerging resistance in the eastern part of the city to a proposed new phase of the REM. There are a number of reasons why grassroots activists opposed this project. One objection is that the REM is being built as a public-private partnership, or P3. That means that the government saves money in the short term by getting a profit-seeking investor to put up some of the capital, and then allowing them to profit from it over the long term. In other words, the project cannot just be focused on the public good, but must be responsive to the demands of making money. In the case of the REM, the Quebec government has guaranteed the investor a certain rate of return, which opponents of the project have calculated will drain hundreds of millions of dollars a year from public coffers. In this project, the investor is the Caisse de Dépôt et Placement de Québec, also known as the CDPQ, or the Caisse, which exists to manage public sector pension funds in the province. It is a quasi-public organization, but its mandate is to make a profit. It's an investment fund, and it behaves like one. For the REM, the agreement between the province and the Caisse gave the latter extraordinary leeway to expedite the project. It was exempted from certain kinds of public consultation and approval. Despite the fact that the case is an investment fund, it was given extensive power over transit planning in Montreal, to the extent that other aspects of the existing system have been forced to adapt to its decisions, and the Municipal Transit Authority could do very little about it. Moreover, the case is being allowed to profit from this role in other ways. It owns extensive real estate holdings in Montreal, the value of which will be significantly impacted by its decisions around the REM. As well, When the Independent Provincial Agency in Charge of Environmental Assessments, abbreviated as the BAP in French, refused to approve the project, the province just overruled them, arguing they had exceeded their authority. But in line with the BAP's report, critics argue that multiple aspects of the REM project are at heart just not good transit policy, and are not at all what a more open and consultative approach run by an actual transit organization would do. 
Some critics have argued that this model overall opens the door to greater privatization of transit infrastructure in Quebec. Transparence waged their ultimately unsuccessful opposition to the REM through a mix of mainstream media interventions, social media, lobbying, delegating as part of relevant governmental processes, a certain amount of grassroots public education, and a lawsuit. Thompson thinks that one of the difficulties in opposing the REM was the fact that the investor was the case, and politicians were reluctant to criticize a project involving the pension fund that millions of Quebecers depend on. But she's encouraged by what she's seeing in the opposition in East Montreal to the new phase of the REM. She says they're doing much more than opponents in the West did to build local groups and neighborhoods and to directly connect with their fellow residents. And she argues that however things proceed in the short term, in the longer term it must be a priority to return power over transit planning in Montreal to a focus on the public good and democratic accountability. I speak with Thompson about Transparence and the fight against the REM transit project in Montreal. My name is Laurel Thompson. I live in Montreal and I'm an activist with a citizens group called Transparence. I moved to Montreal in 2011 after living for a long time in the United States, but I'm originally from Canada and I came back after I retired from teaching in the U.S. I got back to Montreal, and I right away got involved in environmental things. I was with the group Citizens Climate Lobby, and then someone put me in touch with a small group that was starting to form regarding a public-private partnership that was being proposed by the government and the Caisse de Depot here in Montreal. And since it involved transportation, I was very interested because it's one of the issues that I care about a lot, how to make it better, how to make it affordable, how to do things with it that are good for the environment. It was proposed by the Caisse de Depot, at that time head by Michael Sabia, who's our current Deputy Minister of Finance, build an electric train across the west side of Montreal. The Quebec government at that time, which was led by Philippe Couillard, the Liberals, said, yes, let's do it. And so they got some laws passed to get it going. And before you could say Jack Robinson, it was on its way. Citizens were kind of slow to pick up on what was happening. But Transparence, this group, was on top of it right away. I think one useful piece of context for folks outside of Quebec would be if you could explain what the Caisse de Depot is. The Caisse de Depot is a crown corporation, and it was formed under the Jean Lesage government, which is a long time ago, and it was created to provide a pension for Quebec citizens. It does that by subtracting money from paychecks and putting it into funds, which it then invests. And currently, it has well over $350 billion to invest. And they are a global player. They are all over the planet now. They're the second largest pension fund in Canada. They were badly managed for a little while in the 1990s, I think it was, and they lost some money, but they've done very well over the last five to ten years. And Michael Sabia really turned things around for them by making it more of a global player. And that was a problem because people said, well, come on, what about investing in Quebec? And he's done that as well. He was very skillful. He also introduced this idea that the pension fund should build infrastructure. And that was a new idea. They had never done that before. And so he cooked up this idea of bringing the Canada line to Quebec and making it something that the Quebec government and the case would build together. 
He tried to sell the idea to New Zealand, but the mayor of Auckland, I think it was, he took a look at the numbers and he said, this isn't good for taxpayers. I don't think we should do it. However, I know that they are still trying to sell it in other places and that they are advertising the Montreal Project as a model for other countries to consider. What has the REM project in Montreal involved? Before the REM was introduced, we have the Metro, which was built in the 1960s, I believe. And we have a very good bus system and we have commuter trains. The REM is a 67-kilometer Skytrain, like the one in Vancouver, which is the Canada Line. And the Caisse de is a member of a consortium in Vancouver, which also built the Canada Line. However, in Vancouver, they don't have quite as much power as they've given themselves here in Montreal. Here in Montreal, it's a real P3. What happened in 2015 was that Michael Sabia got talking to Cuillard and saying, you know, what about bringing the Canada line here? And Cuillard said, well, we could use something to bring people from the social off island to downtown Montreal. And we could also use something to bring people to the airport. Those were the two areas that were first considered. And Michael Sabia said, okay, we'll try to work on that. We could make money from that. And then he got the brainy idea that he could also put a rim on the De Montagne line. And that's the commuter line between downtown Montreal and De Montagne, which is a city on the very north shore of the island. It already had a great commuter train, which was the most highly used train in the whole island. And he said, I would like to replace that with the rim. And to do that, I'm going to need to take over the tunnel. Now, the Mount Royal Tunnel is a precious piece of infrastructure. It goes right through the mountain, and it allowed commuter trains to come from north Montreal downtown to the Centre-Ville. And Michael Sabia said, I want it. And they gave it to him, sold it to him. And then he also said, I want to go also to West Island. West Island is a very suburban area, low population, mostly single-family homes. And Michael Sabia said we could put a train from Dumont Canyon to St. Anne de Bellevue, and that would provide public transit for people on the west side of the island. So he was proposing, in addition to the South Shore and the airport, a train to Dumont Canyon and then a train also going west. Now, the train to the airport, you would think it would make sense to have a train go directly to the airport from downtown. But with the addition of the REM going from downtown to De Montagne, it made sense to Michael Sabia to make the REM go to the airport from the north. And that really upset a lot of people and made things really very difficult. They're going to have to come through an area of Montreal known as the Technopark, which is in fact a bird sanctuary as well as an industrial development. And it is requiring them to go underneath a wetland. And just recently, work on this tunnel underneath the wetland produced a sinkhole and drained all the water from a wetland, the Marais de Haran. And that's caused enormous angst to environmentalists and to citizens. So the case coming in from the north was not a great idea. Also, coming in from the north, they need a station. And the airport de Montréal has just had a terrible year, no flyers. They don't have any money. And so they can't afford to build a station at the airport. The city of Montreal certainly can't afford to build a station at the airport. The federal government 
could perhaps build a station at the airport, but it's up in the air. Here in Montreal, it's a real P3, and the case would make money from the REM, and that money would go to case pensioners. So it's quite tightly locked up with the government pension system. And the pension system piece gives them more clout because they are helping us, supposedly. To contradict what they're doing, to criticize it, seems irrational and perverse because it's actually the pension of Quebec citizens. And so why would they want to go against that? Anyway, they've started this process where they build a train supposedly for the public and the money that they make from the train goes back to Quebec citizens in the form of their pension. However, that money is actually money from taxpayers because the money that they would earn from fares, from citizens who ride the train, is only a very small part of the money that they need to run the train. They wanted 8% on their $3 billion investment, and that, plus the cost of operations and maintenance, brings their bill to about $400 million a year, which they must get from the local transit authority in order to earn 8%. Uh, and just to clarify for listeners, that rate was guaranteed by the provincial government. And to pay that, the local transit authority is going to have to use money from fares and also money from the government. And it's that money from the government that is the problem, because it's quite a large amount. We figure that by about 2030, the local transit authority is going to owe the case something like $600 million a year. And where are they going to get that money? Well, from the government. But where's the government to get that money? Well, it's going to have to take it from other places. And so it may have to cut services for public schools and hospitals and roads and other things like that. And they've arranged it in a very clever way because it's going to help pensioners. And so you don't realize what a problem it is eventually going to create. And not only did they demand 8% and won that amount from the government, they also imposed a contract for 99 years, renewable for another 198 years. So they have a very, very long contract, a contract that gives them a very high premium, 8%, and they cannot be challenged. There was a BAP, an environmental assessment of the project in 2016-2017, and the BAP was led by commissioners, people who are experts in their field in transportation and the environment, and they assessed the REM as being a very bad project and that it would not get sufficient ridership and it would not be very good for the environment and several other things that were quite noticeable and wrong having to do with the finances. They rejected the project. They said, this is not a good idea. And the BAP was important because the government must consult it before it goes ahead with any project. And the government at the time, as I said, was Philippe Couillard. And he learned that the BAP rejected the case to depose project. And he didn't even bother to read the BAP's report. He just said, it's going to go ahead anyway. And he was supported by the mayor of Montreal, who was Denis Cador at the time, and many other people who were very high up in the government. And they just said, we're going to run with this. We're going to do this. And it doesn't matter what the environmentalists say. Tell me about Train Spérance and its work opposing the REM. It was a wonderful group. We had members of the SFCP with us, Matthew Vick. Uh, SCFP is the French abbreviation for the Canadian Union of Public Employees. 
We had Luc Gagnon, who's a professor at École Technologie Supérieure here in Montreal, as well as Jean-François Lefebvre, who's a professor at UCAM, University of Quebec at Montreal. And several other really smart people were alarmed at what was happening. And so they formed this group, Transperance. And we right away went after what was going on and tried to figure out the exact details of what had been agreed to. And we met weekly at the offices of Colby Monet here in Montreal, where a lawyer named Campbell Stewart has offices. He's a very interesting person, an environmental lawyer who's formed a legacy fund, which is actually a wonderful fund, which is now out there providing funds for environmental groups like Transparence to issue uh, legislation. Anyway, he let us meet in his offices, which we did for the rest of 2016, all of 2017, and then about mid-2018, we stopped meeting. And we stopped meeting largely because we lost. As I said before, Luc Gagnon is an expert in transportation. He wrote many papers and submitted them to the Executive Committee of the City of Montreal about the REM and how it was going to really hurt city finances. And we would go to those meetings with him and talk to the city of Montreal. That was one of the things that we did. A group of us wrote pamphlets and created flyers. And we went out to the people in De Montagne in the north. And also when they would come into Montreal in the south, we leafleted them with flyers telling them what was coming down for them and how bad it was going to be. And that had some effect because they formed a group, quite a strong citizens group, which pushed back against the REM project from their point of view, which was exactly what should happen. And they are still strong. I mean, they did not succeed in stopping the project, but they didn't choose to do that. Like, we wanted to stop the project. They wanted to get better conditions for themselves. They did not like the accommodations that were made for them by the transit agency. And so they fought for better bus shuttles and better rerouting of the trains and so on. And they were somewhat successful. They got the case to listen to them about that. But that's the only citizens group that formed and lasted on the West Island. I should say the only other citizens group. Transparence was the main citizens group that pushed back against the West Island REM. And we did that with papers to the government by people like Luke and also with leafleting and so on. And also we had members who were writing letters to the editor all the time who were lobbying their MPs and lobbying their councillors about the mistake that this was and how it was wrong. So, you know, we all gradually got better informed of what the issues were, what the cost was, what the problems were with the environment and what it would do to public finances. We all educated ourselves about what was going on. And then we went out and tried to educate others about it. We initiated a lawsuit against the Caisse de Depot. We proceeded to sue them for not listening to the BAP, which they were obliged to do, we thought. But we lost. The courts came out in favor of the Caisse de Depot and the government, and they said it was all right what they did. So we were pretty disappointed by 2018. And at that point, many people in our group sort of left and went on to work on other things. However, a number of us have kept on fighting it. We were not as successful on the West Island getting citizens to stand up and fight back, except with the Dumontani people, as we might have been. On the east of the island, 
quite without any effort on our part, a group of citizens has grown up because they simply do not want to have an elevated train in their neighborhoods. They don't want it. They hate it. They hate the sight of it. And they've formed terrific resistance groups in Mercy Est and also in Mercy Oshalaga Maisonneuve, which are two neighborhoods in the east of the island. And they are fighting back like cats and dogs. They're really very good. And I have myself been working with them and sharing what I know about it. I wrote a book about the REM. I forgot to mention my book. I tried to consolidate all that we had learned about what was going on in that book. And I gave them copies of my book so they could learn what happened in the West. Looking back, what do you think your group might have done differently in its opposition to the REM and the West side of the island to have a greater impact? I've thought about that. And I can only look at what happened in the East because they pulled it off on their own. And when I take a look at what they did, I see that we didn't do that in the West. We didn't know how to do that in the West. And what they did was they formed committees out of local groups that already existed. And the committees were specifically related to the REM. And they reached out with things like manifestations in front of metro stations, leafleting from door to door, posts on Facebook pages, and other things like that to get people alerted about what was going on. They tabled throughout the summer in a park in Massey Est, and they handed out a great little leaflet to everybody who passed by that explained what was coming down. And we didn't do that. We did it to some degree in De Montagne. We did it there, but we didn't do it in Saint-Anne-de-Bellevue. We didn't do it in Pointe-Claire. We didn't do it in Pierrefranc, Roxborough. We didn't table. We didn't get out into the neighborhoods and leaflet. It was a question of resources and volunteers, and we didn't have the local people, I guess, to pull that off. You need local people. It can't just be outsiders. It has to be local people. And we had many people from West Island in the group, but they were not able to gather together other local people, I guess. I guess that was the problem. I don't know. But having watched what they did in the East, I think that they did a much better job of that. Another thing that they succeeded in doing in the East that we didn't do in the West, we could not get any politician to support us. We couldn't do it. We tried. We couldn't do it. They wouldn't stand up against the case. They wouldn't do it. And I should also mention that the Western REM has its own right of way. It has the De Montagne train line to go along, and it also has the highway to go along. So it's not being built in people's backyards. In the east part of Montreal, it's being built in their backyards because they don't have the right-of-way. And so that's another reason why there's more resistance in the east. On the other hand, the east of Montreal is francophone, and the west of Montreal is more anglophone. And there may be a difference in culture there that made mobilization more easy to pull off in the east than it was in the west. So... Earlier in the interview, you laid out all kinds of objections that the group raised to the REM to do with finances, environment, transit policy, public-private partnerships, and a bunch of other things. What would you like to see instead in terms of new addition to transit infrastructure in Montreal? Legault made the case to pull the Rail Transit Authority for the island of Montreal in 2018. I'd like him to take that back. I don't want the case of the to be the Rail Transit Authority. I want the 
ARTM, the transit agency, to be the rail transit authority the way it used to be. Number two, I would like any law that is passed regarding transportation infrastructure in Quebec, not just on the island of Montreal, but elsewhere too, to include a clause which says it must have public approval. It must be run by citizens before it can be built. Because the thing that happened with the law that the government passed in order to make the case so powerful is they didn't include the public. They just made it an arrangement between the case and the government, and they gave the case a monopoly. And there's no clause in there saying that this so-called monopoly has to consult with the public. And that's not right. That's not right. I'd like to see the public more a participant in transportation planning the way it was when it was just the ARTM doing it. The ARTM used to have public consultations, and it made a difference. You know, they would ask people, what do you want? What don't you like about this? How would you like us to change it? And they would change it. Whereas the case is like a brick wall. Their public consultations were miserable. They were exercises in public relations, and they totally failed. They didn't listen to us. They just said what they were going to do, and they said more or less, put up or shut up. So more citizen involvement, that would be my goal. And very briefly, what's the state of the resistance to the new phase of the REM proposed for the eastern part of Montreal? And what's Transparence doing to support and contribute to that resistance? The current resistance is wonderful. They are great. And they are mobilizing at the moment because the case de issued an appel d'entrée. It sent out a message all over the planet. It was international asking if anybody would be interested in building the REM de l'Est, the REM in the East Island. It wasn't an appeal for offers. It wasn't asking for bids, but it was asking if anybody is interested in making a bid. And that was done before it was even approved by the government. I mean, the government hasn't even approved the REM de l'Est and the cases out there shopping. And the people in East Montreal are furious at this. They're quite right. You know, this is being done before this project is even approved, before it's even gone before the BAP, which they're now saying will happen sometime early in 2022. They shouldn't be doing this so early, but they are because they can. So they're mad about that. And they're talking about having a press conference and they're talking about pulling together all the different groups that are involved in this thing, both in Merci Archelaga and also Pointe Tremble and also Merci Archelaga Maisonneuve to talk about this and to provide some kind of a reaction. It's a very strong group. What Transparence is doing is supporting that. Transparence now is not very big. We no longer meet. But I'm trying to round up people to help them and to support them by sending a message saying, you know, you're absolutely right. This needs to be delayed until government is given its approval. You have been listening to my interview with Laurel Thompson of Transparence. To learn more about the group, go to transparence.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show.
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. <laughs>